Hello, everyone. Um, as Murray said, I'll be reading from Jonah chapter 2. Um, I'll just give you a moment to find that if you need to. Okay, Jonah chapter 2. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Well, good morning all and to those of you watching joining us online uh, this morning or at some stage today or some other time welcome to you guys as well and I might just take this opportunity to extend my own welcome to Isaac who's joined our staff team um, let's pray as we come to God's word father we thank you for the privilege we have of being able to meet in recent times, we have been very aware that uh, it is a privilege to be able to meet and uh, we have learned not to take it for granted. So we do thank you, um, even though we are operating under some restrictions, our Father, we pray that you would work deeply through your word as you promised to do. We pray for our hearts, we pray for our minds and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I uh, have my own answer to the connection question about doing a 180. And in fact, I didn't know that was going to be the connection question and um, I thought I'd share with you uh, a story that happened to me um, under the category of distress, which is linked to the same question, doing a 180. And it was just uh, a week or so ago, there I was, um, holidays um, at Inverell. I was in the middle of nowhere. Now, I just need to clarify that comment because some people have said, yes, Raj, you were in the middle of nowhere, you were in Inverell. <laughs> That's not what I mean. We were on the outskirts of Inverell and there I was um, in the middle of nowhere, even when it comes to Inverell. And I thought to myself something I would not have thought of a couple of years ago, maybe this is a 180 in itself, and that is, I want to go for a run. And so I did. I was running on a gravel road. I was two kilometres from my starting point where we were staying. There was no 
Um, the, the car was way off somewhere else at that point in time and I, I tripped over something and fell and, and, well, there were injuries. Let's just say that. There were stitches, there were all kinds of things. Um, now, reports of my death have been exaggerated, just in case you need clarification about that. Um, I am recovering. But there I was, two kilometres from where I started and I had to do a 180. There I was... Life was looking pretty good, going for a run day one of holidays, and all of a sudden, just like that, things changed. I was in a state of distress. And we're coming into Jonah chapter 2 uh, today, and we're going to be thinking about distress. And here is a story that, that is another story of someone's distress. Because sometimes you're just travelling along and your world is plunged into distress. The story, and some of you may have heard this story before, is of a mother who was passing by her daughter's bedroom. And she was astonished to see that the bed of her daughter was nicely made. That's not the distress part. Everything was tidied up. She saw an envelope um, on her daughter's desk. The envelope said, uh, Mum. And she picked it up and she opened it. And it said, Dear Mum, it is with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing to you. I had to elope with my new boyfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with you and Dad. I've been finding real passion with Ahmed. And he is so nice, even with all his piercings and tattoos and beard and his motorcycle clothes. But it's not only the passion, Mum. I'm pregnant. And Ahmed said we will be very happy. He already owns a trailer in the woods and has a stack of firewood for the whole winter. He had a COVID test and, well, among isolation is recommended, um, so it's going to work out really well in the woods. He wants to have many more children with me too. And that's one of my dreams as well. Ahmed taught me that marijuana doesn't really hurt anyone and we'll be growing it for us and trading it with his friends and for all the cocaine and ecstasy we want. In the meantime, we'll pray that science will find not just a vaccine for COVID, but a cure. He does deserve to get better. Don't worry, Mum, I'm now 15 years old and I know how to take care of myself. Someday, I'm sure we'll be back to visit you so that you can get to know your grandchildren, your daughter, Judith. P.S. Mum, none of the above is true. I'm over at the neighbour's house. I just wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than the report card that's in my desk drawer. <laughs> I love you. Call me, please, when it's safe for me to return home. Have you ever been in distress? Perhaps even right now, as the year begins, you are in a state of distress. I indeed know some of you are. For many of us, every time uh, we, well, the, the struggle just continues with COVID as circumstances change. And we have to live and learn to live with isolation and face masks and all kinds of things. Maybe you made a deal with God. 
And as this year begins, as many people think about New Year's resolutions, you reflect back to that deal you made with God and you realise that you have not come through. Maybe there's been an area of your life that you know that you need to hand over to God and you know that you need to trust God, but you just can't. And your consequential response has then been to avoid guilt by avoiding Christian brothers and sisters, and even perhaps God himself. Or perhaps even more directly, you're like Jonah, in just seeking to avoid reality itself. Now, as Murray said, um, as Deanne read for us, we're coming today into Jonah chapter 2, and we are seeing a man, Jonah, who is in utter distress. What had happened in chapter 1, really, it's quite simple. God asked him to do something. In chapter 1, verse 2, we read, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their wickedness has confronted me. Now, I've missed sermons here the last couple of weeks where we've looked at Jonah 1. Here's a map I found just to illustrate what's going on uh, for Jonah. Uh, He is in Joppa. God tells him, go to Nineveh. And what he does in chapter 1, he goes to the port and he hops on a boat to go to Tarshish. The diagram helps you understand it, right? It's like living in Sydney, planning to go to Melbourne, not that you can at the moment, but and then turning around and going to Brisbane. You can't do that either at the moment, but that's okay. You get the idea. God was doing something absolutely magnificent and God chose Jonah to be involved. But Jonah, he said no. And when you step back and think about it, It really was quite ridiculous, the process that he then began, which was to think that he can run away from God, as if there is some part in this whole world in which he could run away from the creator of the universe. And people's reactions today with different things might be sometimes to bury their head in the sand. What Jonah did, he found the first boat that he possibly could uh, at the port of Joppa and he hopped on and he started the journey to go in the opposite direction uh, from that which God told him to go. But God, he had other ideas. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Does that appeal to anyone, by the way? You kind of read that and you think to yourself, I mean, look, we see the point, right? Here is a man who is just running from God. That's the point. And yet, you kind of think, was this even possible? Was it a whale or what sort of was a whale was it? And what would it be like living? And then you think, hang on, I don't want to think about that too much. Well... I don't know if it was possible. Although I, I, I have been, I have told, and it was Bob Bartley, I think, many years ago, um, who told me the story of James Bartley. I can't remember if they're related or not. And James Bartley is the central figure in a late 19th century urban legend, according to which he was swallowed whole by a sperm whale. 
The story, as reported, is that during a whaling expedition off the Falkland Islands, Bartley's boat was attacked by the whale and he landed inside the whale's mouth. He survived the ordeal and was carved out of the stomach by his peers when they, not knowing he was inside, they caught the whale and they began skinning the whale because of the hot weather which would have rotted the whale meat. Now, it was said that he had been inside the whale for 15 hours. It was also said that his skin had been bleached by... I won't go on. (laughs) Was it true that Jonah was inside for three days and three nights? Well, folks, I think that's beside the point. Maybe it was true. If it was true, it was there to certainly to get our attention. Maybe it's the way the story is told to get our attention. Either way, it gets our attention as we're drawn into this man who was running from God. Finally, we're told as we come into chapter 2, he has the time to think and pray. And I'm going to just skip down to verse 3 where he reflects on what has happened as he says, You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows, they swept over me. And we're about to see in chapter 2, Jonah, he's about to have this backflip or this 180 degree turn. And in verse 3, That's the key point where he realises that while he was trying to run, he could not hide from God. And I think it's just worth us realising, friends, I think for all of us at different times in our lives, and perhaps for you right now this is the case, sometimes we really think we can hide from God, or at least we try to. And yet, just like for Jonah, it was utterly ridiculous to think that he could run in the other direction and avoid God. So too it is the case for every single one of us, no matter what the issue might be, that we might be able to try to run, but we cannot hide. I don't know if the fact that it took three days and three nights for Jonah to come to his senses, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Right, it's a bit of both, isn't it? On the one hand, you think to yourself, Jonah, you've been swallowed by a big fish and it's taken you three days. It should have taken you three seconds to realise the stupidity of what you were trying to do. But on the other hand, friends, that saying comes to mind, you know that saying, better late than never. And I think to myself, well, it might have taken him three days and three nights, but he came to the right conclusion that he could not hide from the God of the universe. And unlike so many today, the fact is that Jonah did indeed come to his senses. And we're told that Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. I called to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. I cried out for help deep inside Sheol. You heard my voice. My friends, can you remember the last time it was when you were heading off in a strange or even a ridiculous direction and you came to your senses? Sometimes, is it not the case, 
that we need time and space and even sometimes the way God works, he brings us to a really, really low point. So, but we must stop and we must reflect and we must turn to him. And even repent, right? By doing that 180 degree turn into a different direction. And Jonah's experience, after three days and three nights, he called to the Lord in his distress. And then he says, God answered him. He knows that he can't hide from God. And we see the turning point in the whole of Jonah. Jonah said, I have been banished from your sight. And yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. There is the key, friends, of not just realising the stupidity that we had entered into, but then starting to turn around and to look at the God of the universe once again. He had three days and three nights to ponder his predicament. He doesn't wallow in the fact that he had been banished. He doesn't feel sorry for himself. He doesn't say, it's not fair, at least at this stage. Rather, what we see in the heart of chapter 2 is that there are tangible signs of sincere repentance. He knows that he has stopped looking and trusting the holy God. He knows that it is he who must change. He realises that he, he tried to run, but he can't hide. And folks, before we see how it all ends in chapter 2, I just want to pause for a moment and, and ask us what might be a challenging question. We might not have had three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, but is there a word that you need to hear today? Have you been trying to hide from God? Is there an area of your life that you have been trying to keep God out of? Have you been even avoiding God? Maybe the form that takes is avoiding his people, his messengers, his word. Approaching him in prayer. Jonah, he had no way out. The water, we're told, engulfed me up to his neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundation of the mountains. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. It's a graphic picture of his predicament. I wonder if you can resonate. Have you ever been trapped in the ocean? Have you ever been caught in the currents of an ocean, caught in the rips, even on the beach perhaps? I remember one day there I was on a catamaran and we weren't too far from the beach and, and they said, look, anyone who wants to swim over to the beach, go for it. We have a boat here, we can take you if you want. I said, I don't need the boat. Jumped in, started going. It just, it looks so beautiful, it looks so innocuous. And yet before too long, when I was actually in the water, I realised, actually, I was in distress. That's how strong the currents actually were. I had no idea what I was talking about. 
I took them up on their offer of a boat to come and it was all good, as you can see. But the point is, sometimes things look good, sometimes things look innocuous. Sometimes you don't see the danger. Jonah, he went overboard into the storm with a raging sea. The other sailors, they knew there was no hope. Jonah knew after a time he was engulfed and he was trapped. He knew he was sinking to the bottom. He knew that there was no hope. He didn't know that when he started his running. It was only en route that he got to a point of knowing that. And today, is it not true? Many among us or listening online to us this morning, you know that you are in situations where you feel helpless and hopeless. Maybe it sprung from some rebellion from God, like in, in the case of Jonah. And you know the intensity of the situation you're in. It is just all-consuming. Sometimes, and maybe this is the case for you over the last few weeks, God he has brought you to a low place so that you might know that you are not in control. That is the very thing that God used to turn Jonah around, where he was able to recognise as we come to the last part of verse 6, then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, he remembered the Lord. His prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, Jonah says, and here's the turnaround, it's almost complete, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. In the midst of his despair, he turned to Yahweh. It's worth just pondering that for a moment. In, depending on which translation you use, some of the translations, they will use um, the name Yahweh. That's the, the, the closest we're given in the Old Testament to the personal name of God. Um, it was considered by the Jews to be such a holy name to call God by name that they replaced it with Lord in capital letters. That's how it's translated. And so when you read that term in your Old Testament, Lord in capital letters, sitting behind that, well, really, that is the term for Yahweh, the personal name of God. When we read that today, so what happens is we, we think of it more as Lord, as a, a master kind of category. And what that means is we gloss over and we don't, we, we, we don't fully appreciate that here, Jonah, he's crying out to God using his personal name. Not, not just his title. It is the personal God who Jonah is in the process of repenting toward. He acknowledged that he had been clinging to worthless idols and in so doing, turning his back on God's faithful love. And in fact, those words themselves in verse 8, they're so profound, they're easy to gloss over. They are a warning, warning to us all about the nature of worthless idols. It says, those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. Because when we try to keep God out of something, perhaps an area of our lives, 
it probably represents an idol that we're trying to cling on to. And my question is, for us, what are the worthless idols that you are in danger of clinging on to? And for many of us, well, I suspect many of us would say, I'm not, I'm not in danger of that, Raj. Well, let, let me just put the question slightly differently. If you were the evil one and you were trying to undo yourself with something that you might be tempted toward, where would you attack? In other words, what's the closest thing to a worthless idol in your life? might be someone, it might be a relationship, it might be a thing. These days in the modern world, um, gadgets often are in this category. It might be an experience, which in the last decade or so have taken over from things. Jonah realises he can run but he can't hide. He did this 180-degree turn from clinging to worthless idols to uh, this most extraordinary vow where he says, from now on I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. And he then made this promise. And, and then what happened is in verse 10, the end of a chapter, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. It's graphic, whether it's true or not, it's graphic so that we might sit up and take notice. And the very last line of Jonah's prayer is to say, I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now, friends, before I reflect on some, some kind of perhaps challenging applications for us, we must understand the Old Testament through the eyes of the New Testament. And when it comes to this story, the New Testament does something that is quite spectacular, really, unusual, but spectacular. And that is, when Jesus was in this world, people were gathering around Jesus and they were demanding a sign, perhaps like we might have the desire for today. And Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign but no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of a huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Isn't it extraordinary that Jesus, he brings in this, this very story we're looking at in Jonah and he, he tells us what, why the story is there and what it's pointing to? Jonah says salvation is from the Lord, that is, the, the personal name of God, Yahweh. Little did even Jonah realise that God, he had a bigger plan for this whole um, story. And that is to point us to an even greater salvation, the salvation that comes and is available in Jesus Christ. And even then, at the time Jesus said these words when he was in walking around Palestine in the first century, well, he hadn't yet died. 
Jesus himself in telling these words is predicting what's going to happen to him. And they ask for a sign. Perhaps um, from time to time you find yourself saying, saying in your heart or even saying to God, just send me a sign. And I wonder, friends, the next time you do that, if you might come back to these words of Jesus and remember the sign of Jonah who was in the belly of that huge fish for three days and three nights. It's not random at all, that reference to three days and three nights. Because Jesus, his death and resurrection, that involved three days. And so, friends, this incredible story of Jonah, it points us to the even more incredible story of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, who gave his life to bring enormous salvation to the world. And so I want to ask the question, has that salvation touched you? If you've ever looked at a story like Jonah in the Bible and thought it's too far-fetched, as I've said, that is the whole point. So that you might sit up and take notice. And friends, have you ever made a promise to God? You know, you're, you're in a state of distress. Things aren't going well and you say... God, rescue me from this situation and I will. You say, God, I know that you've brought me low so that you might, so that this area of my life is something I need to give over to you. Rescue me and I will give this area of my life over to you. Have you ever made a promise like that? I. We'll never forget being um, in ICU down the road a number of years ago now, visiting someone. They were in a complete state of distress, understandable state of distress, as their very young girl may well have died. And I, I remember being with them bedside in ICU, and they said to me, and we prayed together, and their prayer was, they said to me, Raj, I know that I've wandered away from God. I know that I need to come back to him. And my prayer is, save my girl. And I will come back to you. We prayed that together. God saved, saved her girl. And yet I look at the journey that particular person took. God came through for them. But they didn't fulfil their promise. Many years down the track, I wonder if I should have followed that up in some way. or I'm not sure. Have you ever made a promise to God? If you say that you love and serve Jesus Christ... Is there an area of your life that you have been trying to keep from God? Is there something that you know that you should do that you are not doing? 
And maybe even today, as this year begins, we're 10th of January now, even as this year begins, it's a time just to understand the dynamic that Romans chapter 1 talks about, about suppressing the truth. And the dynamic it talks about is we, we, we don't even admit to ourselves what is real as a way of, of avoiding the lordship of Christ over our lives. And so we're in a state of denial about what might be true. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to see what Jonah did with his promise. But friends, as this year begins for each of us, I just want to give us a moment now before we go on. Sorry, Mario, I haven't um, talked to you about this, but I just want to give us a moment now to reflect on um, our own lives and if there is an area that you're trying to keep from God. And maybe for some of you, that involves salvation itself. For some of you, that might well involve, um, you know God's call to you is to seek Jesus for forgiveness of sins. That's why he's died on the cross. That's what the sign of Jonah is all about. And maybe you realise at this time, at the start of a year, when you've had time to reflect and you've had time in isolation through COVID, maybe you're watching us from Brisbane this weekend and you're in isolation, that's all you can do. I want us to give us a moment to think about our own response to the call of God and then to pray for the strength to do something about it. So I'm just going to give us a moment or two for private reflection and then for prayer and then I'm going to pray for all of us as we remember these words that I've um, put to Jonah too and that is, you can run but you can't hide. Let's ponder. Our Father, we know for every single one of us that we struggle when it comes to idols as humanity always has. And Father, we know we are so powerfully reminded by these words that we cling to worthless idols, we cherish worthless idols. And we know that so often that means that we abandon faithful love. Father, we know that distress is in this world because we have turned away from you and personally that impacts us in all kinds of ways. And we pray as we look at this um, um, incredible sign of Jonah, Father, we pray that we might see the 180 turn he did in running from you, in trying to keep areas of his life from you. And Father, we pray that we might, like him, that we might turn to you and look to your holy temple. We pray as the year begins that you might give us strength to do so. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.